put me a dress on, and here I go. So. <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right, y'all find 1 Corinthians, and we're going to find chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, what we did last week, we started spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts and the truth about tongues. And so what we do here at Woodlake is we pick right back up where we left off. You'll remember that we have some divisions. Uh, pretty soon, the, the video I showed you at the beginning that did the context and all that, plus what I gave you the context, I'm going to show you that again at some point in time. Uh, so you can say, hey, pastor, you told us that's what the context was, and we're following in the context. So we looked at the first four chapters in this book, which was about divisions in the church. We dealt with all those things. And then 5, 6, and 7 was about the sexual immorality and other things. We were introduced to the phrase peri-day in the Greek, which means now concerning, which shows us that Paul is just simply answering questions. The people came to him. He's answering questions. In, in uh, chapter 8, 9, and 10, we talked about food offered to idols. So it was about food and things of that nature. And then we looked at uh, uh, chapter 11, 12, 13, 14 is where we are now. And we talked about women and uh, in their place in ministry with us. And then we looked at now, we're looking at spiritual gifts. Now, last week, what I did was a, a background on just simply laying the context because what, I'm, what I've been telling you, and you're going to see it again, we're getting to the scripture this week. And so we're going to look at first here as we get to this, we're going to look at the foundation. So last week we looked at the background and the, the Tower of Babel and the foundation of the Eastern religions and the culture of the day coming into the church. And so what we're looking at here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, uh, Paul is not really praising the church. And so many preachers today will take this and they will teach this as doctrine and this is what you're supposed to do. Paul says, hold on a minute. You're going to see it. I'm going to show it to you in the text. I'm going to explain to you some of the things that over the years that I've had a very difficult time accepting as the teachings about spiritual gifts. And we're going to go through the scripture. This comes just basically from the word of God. And so uh, I'm going to ask you some questions along the way. Uh, these, this particular uh, aspect of the text, I'm going to try my best to preach as we go. But it is a teaching time for us for me to help you. Spiritual gifts, I think, is one of the things that's confused people the most over the years. And so uh, I, I want to start again by giving you the definition. And Mike's got a slide back there. He'll find that in there somewhere. And he's going to pop this up. Uh, and, and I want you to read this with me, and I want you to see this. Because I haven't gotten to the spiritual gifts yet. Paul's got a lot to do before we get there. One of the things you're going to find about spiritual gifts is that there are no really definition for each gift. We glean what we know about spiritual gifts from all the other people and, and, uh, in, the, in the Bible and from the body of Christ when we watch those things uh, take place in the body of Christ. We're going to go through probably next week. We'll, uh, hopefully I'll get there today. We'll start in that area where we begin to explain the spiritual gifts to you. I'm not a big spiritual gifts test person. And I'm going to show you why as we go. And so to start with, for those of you who are just catching up with us, and for those of you who may be new believers, some of you have uh, been known the Lord for 30, 40 years, I'm going to challenge you too on some of the things you believe about spiritual gifts. I'm going to show you what the Word of God says. I'm going to show you what the Bible says. Y'all all right? All right. A spiritual gifts is a, is a miraculous, supernatural, spiritual faculty or attribute given by the Holy Spirit to each person 
who receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior according to God's grace for use in the context of the body of Christ. Make no mistake, there's two things that you need to know about your spiritual gift, whatever it is and whatever combination of gifts that you actually have. It's for the glory of God and the use in the body of Christ. If that spiritual gift is not used for the glory of God and the use in the body of Christ to minister to other believers, it's not a spiritual gift. The reason that we need to look at this so closely is because Satan loves to counterfeit the things of God. We know that literally, even in the end times, the Antichrist will come on the scene and literally claim to be Jesus himself. And so he's going to try to counterfeit everything. Paul actually tells us in First and Second Thessalonians to be careful because in the latter days people will try to deceive even the people of God through miracles and emotionalism and things of that nature. Folks, that's exactly where we are today. So let's look in verses 1 through 3. Let's look at the foundation first in the first three verses here. Now concerning, in the original language, that's peri day. It means now concerning or the things that you ask me about, let's talk about those. So here, Paul is answering another question. Obviously, there were people in the church who were misusing the spiritual gifts of tongues and ecstatic utterance and emotionalism. And they had asked Paul, please explain to us, because the people had come from the culture that many of them saved, some of them lost, but they brought it into the church. And so Paul was trying to explain the truth about this. And so Paul says, now concerning what comes from the Spirit. And so actually the word for gifts is not in this particular verse, but a few verses down the word for gift is going to come into play. So it's quite natural to, to know the context is talking about spiritual gifts. So he says, the things that come from the Spirit... I don't want you to be unaware. Some of your translations will say ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. And so it is my belief that when the Lord tells you that through the text, he wants you to understand something. And so the, the, this enigmatic craziness about the spiritual gifts that, oh, we can't understand all these things, I don't believe that. I believe that Paul is actually saying, you ask me questions about this, I'm going to answer a question about the spiritual gifts. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to idols that could not speak. There's the context for chapter 12, 13, and 14. Paul says, you've got people that were brought into this church that came out of the culture, just like when people get saved out of our culture, they come into the church, it is our job to disciple them and teach them the things of God. If you don't, they'll bring their paganism into the church what happens why do we even have the book of Galatians we have the book of Galatians because the Jews were getting saved and still trying to mix Judaism and Christianity and so Paul says you can't do that verse number three therefore I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says that Jesus is cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit obviously there's your context Paul says I'm not praising you. I'm not telling you what a good job you're doing. I'm saying to you that there's problems in this church. And so Paul says, I want to talk to you about the spiritual things or the things that come from the Spirit. The purpose here is literally to inform the church about spiritual gifts. It is biblical to say that God intends for us to know the truth. And today you can hear people teach on spiritual gifts and you think, where are you getting all of that from? It's right here in the book and Paul will explain it to us as we go along. We know that the truth about the spiritual gifts is important because Satan tries to counterfeit everything that God does. And you can bank on it that he will try to pervert the gifts that God has given us to do the work of the ministry. Amen? 
He is, he is going to try to pervert everything. These pagans had come into the church. They had been led astray by mute idols. The Greek word is aphonos. It has an alpha privative on it. You know uh, that I've taught you. You understand, just like in English, when you put an A on front of something, it's the opposite. So it just makes it the opposite. If you can hear this word in here, aphonos, you hear the word phono, phonos, phonograph. It's speech. It's heard. So when you put the phonograph on, you hear sounds. So it's a word here. It is the opposite of being able to hear. And so Paul says these folks had been worshiping false gods that could not hear. I want to tell you, listen to me. If you're watching by way of Internet, if you pick up the podcast, wherever you are in the world, if you're in China this morning, if you're in Australia and you hear this, I want to tell you something. If your God cannot hear you and cannot answer you, you're worshiping a false God. I ought to tell you, my God heard me this morning. I talked to him this morning. And so Isaiah says, how can a man form an idol, make it out of a stick, make an idol out of it, worship that idol, and then cook his dinner on the rest of it? If you're cooking the rest of your dinner on your idol, I'm going to tell you, your, your idol is false. It's a false God. If, I, I remember a couple over uh, at another church that I ministered at said, Pastor, I want to tell you about this. We went into a restaurant, and we prayed over our meal, and we ate. And when we left, we went to pay. And there was a Muslim man behind the counter that said, Hey, what were y'all doing right before you, before you ate your dinner? And they said, what are, you, what are you talking about? Because, you know, we're from the South. We always bless our meal, right? We just do that. And we forget what a witness it is in a restaurant. And the man said, What were y'all doing? Y'all bowed your heads. He says, We were praying and asking God to bless our meal. Here's what the man said. You can talk to your God? Boy, that's a tailor-made witness right there. That's laid out for you. And, and most of us, the Baptists, we just say, yeah, we do. And we run out because he's Muslim. I talked to a man the other day who was Muslim. And we went all the way back to, to Isaac and Ishmael. I brought him all the way up through the gospel. And we were sitting there in the restaurant. And, I, and my friend with me was just praying the whole time. Bowed her head and prayed, prayed, prayed while we are sharing. You know what? We don't have to. You know, how, brother Jerry, how do you witness to Jewish people? How do you witness to, to those who are Islam? Same way you do anybody else. They're lost. You just share Jesus with them. Y'all all right? You tell, you tell the man there at the, the counter, listen, yes, I can talk to my God. I want to tell you, and, and guess what? He answers me. You had an answer prayer this morning? You had an answer prayer this week? Say amen, church. If you're listening by way of internet, almost everyone in the room said, yes, I had a prayer answered. Paul says, these people came out of these these pagan cultures, they came into the church and from the apostolic age they had seen a lot of miracles and, and things that had happened and they began to pervert. They misunderstood that these were the godly men. They were doing miracles in the day. But of course during that time they got confused and the miracles that were done in many places were false and they were fake. And so I just want to say to you, if your God can't communicate with you, you got a false God. He says they were led astray. It's the same word, apago. It's the same word that's used of Jesus when Jesus was led away by the soldiers. It means that they were in captivity. Re remember this, the first word Paul has for the church about spiritual gifts is a warning not to get led astray by the, by the pagan practices. And I want to tell you, there's so many people today who have just been put in bondage to some of the foolishness that's out there. And people come up against trials and troubles in their life and they want something else out of God. 
when all along God may be the one taking them through that to spiritually make them more mature so that he can use them. Whereas others who are emotional will tell you, well, you just don't have enough faith or you haven't had a second blessing or if you'd learn to speak in tongues, you'd feel better. Can I say to you that anybody I've ever met in my entire life who claimed to have a second blessing or who had been baptized in the Spirit, who speaks in tongues, they're no different from anybody else that I've ever met other than they're a little weird. There's a misconception the people that who are in bondage are telling us, hey, come join us in bondage. We're free. The lost man, we are not in bondage. They are in bondage. I mean, you wouldn't go by the Gwinnett County Jail and some guy yelling out the bars, hey, come in here and join me. We're having a great time in here. Well, I think I'll just do that. I go up here and rob a bank so I can get in there with y'all because I want to be free. We wouldn't do that, but what will we do? We'll let Satan take us and hold us captive to all these pagan things and these weird doctrines in all of these churches. And literally what we're saying to Satan is, hey, could you put me in bondage? No, there's no sense in doing that. And so verse number three, this is proof. Listen to pastor, because as I get into this, you're going to say, pastor, you're being mean. No, I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you the truth in the context. Proof, proof, proof that the church in Corinth was in error and in confusion. Somebody in a frenzied state of emotionalism, probably speaking in some type of tongue from the pagan culture, said that Jesus was accursed. And I can promise you there's two things in life that you can't do. You cannot call Jesus cursed if you belong to him. Some of y'all might need to straighten up some of your language. And you cannot call Jesus Lord if you don't belong to him. If you belong to him, you can't say that he's cursed. You would never say that. The Bible says that cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. And these people misunderstood that doctrine. Jesus was cursed for me. Listen, the foundation of Paul's writing about spiritual gifts in the church's questions about spiritual gifts and their gross misuse of them. That's the context. They were misusing the spiritual gifts. So don't pull out the scripture and say, oh, well, Paul said this. No, go back to verse 1, 2, and 3 of chapter, of chapter 12 and get the context and then, then do your interpretation from there. Paul is telling them that they haven't done what they're supposed to do. And the Greek word here is anathema. It's the word anathema. Can you imagine while we were worshiping a while ago, if someone got in emotion, too emotional and began to pray in some unknown tongue and said that Jesus was anathema. Would that be cause to help them find the door? It would be right here because we don't say Jesus is cursed unless I tell you that it was cursed as every man who hung on a tree and that he was cursed for you and for me because I was under the curse. Jesus is not cursed. He's not anathema. As a matter of fact, those who are under sin and bondage will be held accountable and I just thank God for these people that were in Corinth. You know what? There's always a remnant. Y'all say amen. There's a remnant everywhere we go. Now let's look at number two, the explanation, verse 4 through 11. Now this is where pastor gets a lot of his beliefs. And I want to tell you, probably in not many other places in Scripture have I spent as much time as in these verses right here. Verse number 4. Now there are differing gifts but the same Spirit. All right. There are differing ministries, but the same Lord. 
And there are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. If you caught that while you were reading, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that is mentioned in the text. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've allowed the charismatics to run off with the Holy Spirit. You can't take the Spirit away from the Father and the Son. And they build doctrine contrary to the things of God. And so here in verse 4, Paul deals specifically with spiritual gifts. And the word for gifts is in this text. Do you know what the word for spiritual gifts is in the text here? If you're going to build your belief system, you're going to have to build it off the word. The Greek word is charisma. It's charisma. And right in the middle or at the beginning of this word is the word chi, alpha, rho, iota, sigma, charis. You know what the word charis is? It's the word for grace. That means that the spiritual gifts are grace gifts. Anybody in here saved? How'd you get saved? Oh, grace. And pastors taught you one more step. Grace through? See, God gives you grace, but you have to exercise your faith in that grace. Grace through faith. If you got saved by grace, how do you get your spiritual gift? Grace. The definition of the, of the gifts is grace. It's a grace gift. So this means that there's a lot of theology out there that doesn't make sense. The, word, it means, the root word means, as it relates to grace, that makes the spiritual gifts, gifts of grace, or what we would call grace gifts. That means that you can't buy it, you can't beg for it, you can't get it in any other way. Charismatics tell you you need to pray for the gift of the Spirit. It comes by grace. You can't, you can't get it because you're good looking. See, just because I'm handsome. Stop laughing so hard about that. Just because you're educated, just because you got a lot of money, the spiritual gifts come by grace. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit for free. And listen, listen, Colossians 2, 8 through 10 all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ. How much? And you are complete in Him. If you got Jesus when you got saved, what else do you need? You can, come on, this is the book. And it was by grace. I was listening to Jimmy Swagger one time, a long time ago. Jimmy said, I was kneeling down in front of my grandmother. And I begged and I begged and I begged for the gift of tongues. I begged for the second blessing. And I asked God to give it to me. And the spirit rolled off my grandmother and came to me. I want to tell Jimmy something right now. Y'all can send him a letter and tell him I said so. No, no, no. It comes from grace. It's not by merit. You didn't get saved by grace. You got saved by grace and you'll get your gift by grace. Everything that God gives you, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. It doesn't come from your grandmother. God doesn't have grandchildren. It's the grace gifts. Paul actually tells us to desire the spiritual gifts. Nothing wrong with, uh, but Paul says, if you're going to desire something, desire the gift of prophecy. Don't worry about the speaking gifts. 
even if you were speaking in an unknown tongue or an unknown language as I'm going to teach it to you, you're going to learn that if nobody's there to interpret, you're just talking to the wind or talking to yourself. The gift of prophecy as I'm preaching to you in English is edifying to everyone here. And so there is nothing wrong with desiring good spiritual things. I think we should. But you know, based on the scripture, that the baseline here that pastor is laying down right now is the gifts come by grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. You all right? Now, if you're born and raised in charismatic church, that's going to rub up against your soul. But you just let it rub because here's the truth. There's the book right there. And sometimes, listen, I've said things in my zeal that I thought were great and spiritual. And then when I got back in the book, I realized, Pastor, you're going to have to let that go. Because it's not in the Word. I have to teach myself. So a gift is a supernatural endowment. It comes from the Lord. Nobody who's lost can minister in this body like the people with spiritual gifts. That's just the way it works. Now notice the text talks about diversities, varieties of the differings of the gift. This refers to the diversity of the gifts. Differing gifts are given by God. The unity of the body is tied up in the diversity of the gifts. Now, because of that passage, I really believe that I have a better understanding of the gifts now than ever. The body is a unit in its existence, but it has so many different parts. Unity is not diversity. Unity is diversity, not uniformity. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever thought about why today that androgyny is such a big deal in our culture? Have you ever understand why gender fluidity is the big deal today? Because the culture wants us all to be the same. They don't want us to be black. They don't want us to be white. They don't want us to be Hispanic. They don't want us to be male. They don't want us to be female. They want us all to kind of be out there together. That's not the way God intended it to be. God intended for each and every one of us to be unique in and of our own selves. And, and diversity and variety, the Greek word here means to refer to apportionments, allotments, distributions. Now that's important to how we interpret the text. If you have a King James, it says... Severally means individually. The word severally is in your text if you have a King James Version. The Lord gives these allotments, these distributions. He gives the gifts individually as well. But the word doesn't mean severally. I had a charismatic tell me one day, well, we all have more than one gift because the Bible says God gives them to us severally. The word severally doesn't mean more than one. It means individually. Now that makes me understand something. And if you also look in your text, you'll notice in verse number 6 and 7, it uses the word each. Depending on your translation, it will determine how many times the word each is in your text. But here, the Holman Christian that I'm preaching out of this morning has the word there three times. And so I, want to, I just want to lay some teaching on you this morning. This is biblical illiteracy at its finest, just to, to interpret that word there. All you have to do is just look it up in the dictionary. God gives us at least one gift, and I'm going to even challenge that. Okay? I'm going to challenge that. Because as we get into this and you learn what I think about this, you're going to see you've always been told to keep the spiritual gifts and, and to also keep the fruit of the Spirit out of it. You, you, and they both come from the Spirit, don't they? If you, I mean, if you have the gift of preaching, wouldn't it be nice to be gentle, loving, and kind and, and put those together? It's from the Spirit, right? And so the Lord is teaching us these things. And you'll see later that I really believe that each gift is made up of a mixture of gifts. And I want to do a little thing this morning. I want to, I want to do a test. 
See, when I first got saved, somebody gave me a test. I took one of them crazy tests. And it's man-made, so it's wrong to begin with. Y'all all right? I'm going to go so far as to say this. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, I don't care. Just walk with Jesus, and your spiritual gift will work. Now, let me ask you this. I'm asking you now, so it doesn't mean that you're prideful. I just want you to tell me the truth. How many of you think you have more than one spiritual gift? Raise your hand. Y'all scared? Raise your hands. Be honest with me. Don't be embarrassed. How many of you think you have more than one spiritual gift? I'm going to tell you, I've not met one soul in my life that be honest with me, that would tell me I only have one gift. I've never met a person like that. See, and before, I wouldn't say anything because I was told, you have a spiritual gift. That's what I was told. I got saved, and they told me, well, you have the gift of mercy, Brother Jerry. Carol has laughed already. Carol's already laughed. Okay. Now, y'all know me to be loving and kind and caring. I am very loving and kind and caring, but I'm a little short on mercy. But because the test said so, I thought, well, i got to stick with that. No, I don't. But then later on, I found out I had the gift of giving. But because I have the gift of preaching and teaching, does that mean I'm not supposed to be a good giver? Can I tell you, all of you are supposed to be good givers. Amen? Just because, now listen, just like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of those things. You're supposed to develop yourself in those, aren't you? Wouldn't it be nice? Okay, you got the gift of preaching. Does that mean you're not supposed to have wisdom? Hello? Somebody help me right here. No, you're not. You don't have the gift of wisdom, so you stay away from that. Don't you answer any questions, okay? You just sit over there and be quiet. We'll call on you when we need a mercy person. That makes no sense to me, right? That, does that make any sense to y'all? I don't believe that. Here's what your pastor believes. I believe that God, and I'm going to prove it to you in Romans. He, he says, Paul says, when Paul begins after Romans 12, 1 and 2, you all know that. And then verse 3, you don't know because it says, don't be more prideful than you ought. And then from there, but that's a spiritual gifts passage. And Paul says, if you have faith, do it in an apportionment that God has given you. Wait a minute. He uses the word meter or metric in that passage. Paul uses, Paul uses a very unique word, and we'll, we'll get to this because I'm never going to get to it today. But the word is metron, metron, measure. Wait a minute. You just told me that some people have a greater measure of faith than other people. Wouldn't it make sense that if I have the gift of preaching, that I should work on my faith if that's not my big gift? I got embarrassed when I first got saved. And somebody said, well, you got the gift of mercy. I said, well, as I go along, I have the gift of giving as well. Uh, and in these latter days, guess what? I have way more mercy and forgiveness than I ever had. And bless the Lord, oh, my soul, for your benefit, I've gotten some wisdom as I get older. Y'all all right? And wouldn't it make sense that just like the fruit of the Spirit, wouldn't it be great if pastor was, had gentleness and patience and kindness and that that came through in my preaching gift? Wouldn't that make sense? No, you can't do that. That's not your gift. That's what they told me. And I wanted to know, who put you in charge of owning the gifts? We do know this. In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter says, Peter says this, listen, each one, and here's what I love before I read, listen, the Bible writers don't contradict each other about the spiritual gifts. Look, 
We do know that the gifts fall into speaking and serving, right? Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace. Famous word there, grace. The, the gift was used for, for whom? For others in its various forms. Wait a minute. You're telling me there's different forms to the gifts? Absolutely. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, that's why two guys could have the gift of preaching. And you say, well, they got the gift of preaching. They're both going to preach exactly the same. Well, no, you've seen Brother Tom Rush. I love Brother Tom. Brother Tom fills in occasionally when he comes here. Tom's a prophet. He's got the gift of preaching. He's just like your pastor, right? No. Tom has no mercy. I have a little bit. Can I say this? In this day and age, if a pastor doesn't have the gift of prophecy, he's going to get eaten alive. But see, I understand this. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to make you holy. Y'all all right? But you see, Brother Tom may have wisdom and discernment. I may have mercy and encouragement. Did, did you know people say, Brother Jerry, I just love listening to you preach. I feel so good when I leave, even though you just wore us out. I just love that. You know why? Because you may not understand this, but one of my, my high, I rank really high, I believe in my heart, with the gift of encouragement. If, if when people come to me and they're trapped in sin and they're hurt and their families are broken, man, I've never been shocked. I said, Brother Jerry, you're going to shock you right here. No, you're not going to shock me. I'm going to love you and I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to help you to, to, to recover and get out of that. You see, because my preaching gift has other gifts that are supported with it. And so two guys can preach. If, if, watch. Anybody in this room you know that has a gift of wisdom? Gift of counseling? Wisdom? If you don't know him, he tells you Jesus is coming all the time. All right. Is there anybody else in this room that you know other than Sanford who has the gift of wisdom? Brother Ricky. You need counseling? You need the Word of God? Are Sanford and Ricky the same? Totally opposite in personality. Let me read you something. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody than, and other than John MacArthur. He said this. And I don't need John MacArthur's approval. This is what I believe because this is what I studied in the Word. But it's nice to have a friend. Y'all all right? Listen, MacArthur says, forgive me for reading. The New Testament contains several lists of categories of spiritual gifts, one of which is here in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Bible scholars don't agree as to the exact number and designation or distinction of the kinds of gifts. How about that? Did you know that I think also there's spiritual gifts that aren't listed in your Bible? I don't know what they are, but, but we do know what's here. Because the scriptural lists are not identical. You ever notice that, that all the lists are not identical? You ever known that? The, the list, there's three major lists, and I'm going to read you those. We're going to get to them. But they're not identical. It seems clear that God did not intend to give his church either a rigid or a precise and exhaustive compilation, but rather general categories. 
And one should be careful not to overdefine the gifts because they may resist overclassification. There is not much value in taking tests. Is that right? Formal or informal to determine what spiritual gifts we have. A believer's gift, listen, here we come, we're coming right here. We're going to land this plane right here. Y'all hang in there with me. A believer's gifts can be overlapping, an overlapping combination, taking in different proportions from the other categories of gifts. One person may be obviously strong in a single gift, such as teaching, right? But I can also have faith but not have tons of faith. I may have a little faith to go with that or a little mercy to go with that, and it tempers it. Another may be strong in one gift but have some measure of three or four categories. It is best to see each person's gift, listen, as a unique blend of categories of giftedness granted to that individual in connection with his or her traits, life experiences, and the needs of the church. Do you know that your needs, your spiritual gifts may change when you change church? Why? Because... What are the gifts for? The body. So if they got 15 teachers teaching Sunday school and you're a teacher, God may use you in a different area. Amen? Listen, this is what I love right here. And I'm, each believer becomes as unique spiritually as his fingerprints are physically. Now here's why I just said, uh, listen, I think that you may have a combination of so many different aspects of the gifts, you may not be able to put a name on your gift. Now, you see me preach every week. You know, I'm verbose. I'm, a, I'm gregarious. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm out there with people. You know, pastors got teaching and preaching. But how many of you really thought I had the gift of encouragement? See, some of you know that. Some of you may not have known that. See, did you know that a person who is very quiet may have the gift of encouragement, but they use it in a different way? I think that when you get saved, God puts your spiritual gift in you, and as you grow, your gift grows with you. And it may be a combination in such proportions, you may not be able to put a name on anything. Watch this. Tell me somebody who has the gift of service that you see every Sunday. How'd I get this? How did I get this? Paul. Where'd this come from? Bo. If you watch Bo, you're going to see the gift of service. He checks on the pastor. If I need something, Bo, my, my, my battery's died before the service. Would you get me some batteries? Just like that. Most of the time, you don't have to tell him anything. It's just done. Holy, holy, holy. He's ministering to the body. He's taking care of his pastor. How awesome is that? So, uh, I, I think this is fantastic. And I think that, look, verse 5. The key word there is ministries in verse 5. Verse 5 says that there are differing types of ministries. Do you know what the word for ministries is in there? The, the word is diakonos. It's deacon. Diakonia. And so the word is used by Paul to teach us about service. That's what a deacon does. He serves. The vast ministries that are related to church are endless. That's why the combinations have to be endless. 
You see, we may have a ministry that another church doesn't have. We need people to be gifted to do that. And God in his sovereign will gives somebody a spiritual gift that's like a fingerprint. You see, when you start talking about when you start talking about a person's personality, well, your your personality doesn't have anything to do with spiritual gifts. I beg your pardon. It does. And you should grow those other gifts. And so if my gift is encouragement and preaching and teaching, does that mean I'm not supposed to have wisdom? Does it mean that I'm not supposed to have love? Does it mean that I'm not supposed to be patient or anything else? No, I'm supposed to grow in all of the gifts. I had somebody tell me one time, I said, well, you know, that guy teaching, he doesn't really have the spiritual gift of teaching. I said, let me tell you something else. Nobody else would teach. And if you have the gift of teaching, why are you complaining about him serving Jesus? What's it for? To glorify God. It, right? You just, how many of y'all have the spiritual gift of working in the nursery? That's not a spiritual gift, but I'm going to tell you, just because you don't have the gift doesn't mean we don't do it. We have to do ministry, and so we do those things. Somebody say glory, Pastor. These combinations, that's why two people can have the same gift, and they look so different because God endows us. The gifts are not self-edification. They're not for self-glory. They're to, to minister to the body. That means that, in a sense, every gift is a service gift. In verse 6, he says, the differing effects, I love this, or the kinds of workings or the activities. Uh, the word there for differing or workings, he says in verse number 6, a very unique word, and there are differing activities the Holman Christian stands for. You, this is so good, I can't stand it. And this is going to prove to you what I just said. The word for activities in the Holman, the word in your, in your Bible, is the word ergon. It's the word for work. Some of you who had the unpleasant pleasure of going to college and having to take physics, sometimes you had to solve for the work that was done. You, you, some of y'all are giggling because can you imagine me in a physics class? <laughs> it was kind of funny. I made an A in physics, thank you very much. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. I had a lot of help and a tutor. But you solve A and B and you get... E, work. Give me a word in English that comes from ergon. Uh, man, y'all just got it right off the bat. Who said ergonomics? Ryan, how about that? You smart joker, you. Do y'all remember back in the 60s and the 70s? Y'all remember this? Ergonomics was the hot topic. As a, as a, this car is ergonomic. This Pinto is just for you. <laughs> Young people don't know what a pinto is. So, so, how many of you got? You remember the mouse that we had on our computers back, Mike? You remember the big mouse? You carried it around in a backpack. Today you carry everything in your backpack. You used to have to carry your mouse in the backpack. <laughs> and people got carpal tunnel. And today you got a mouse. When you put your hand on it, it fits your hand. Isn't that unique? Come on. Spirit of God said, Jerry, I love you so much when I gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you a spiritual gift in whatever combination that ergonomically fits you. Because when you got saved, you were such a jerk. And you thought you knew everything known to man about the Bible. And I had to humble you down 
And I had to take your gift of preaching and give you a little bit of encouragement and some mercy so that you wouldn't be a jerk your whole life. And that you, did you learn how to communicate with people? And your spiritual gift, Jerry, fits you just like a glove. So that means, you know, you, can I tell you all something what I would really love to be? I would love to be as smart as Carol Sinclair. But I'm not. I just do what I do. Guess what? I used to listen to Johnny Hunt preach, and I said, boy, I wish I could preach like that. And then the Holy Spirit said, Jerry, be you. Do what you do. Do what you do. Your gift fits you like a glove. And your gift may be out front. It may be behind the scenes. I, I want to tell you something. I, I really feel this was important. This week, I spent, my, I spent a good portion of this weekend on my knees for our ladies. And you saw what happened. Many of you did the same thing. Amen? I, I mean, Miss Rita Peeler. How many meals did Rita make for people who passed away in their families. We got to do this one right. Amen. It's service. I see everything that you do, pastor says. And you see, the Lord says here, there's different activities, but the same God. <laughs> each, each. God doesn't love us all. He loves each one of us. He loves you just like you are. And look, a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. And so I, I won't see, why are there no characteristics listed? For the, look, verse 8. To the one is given the message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the message of knowledge. Why didn't Paul give us characteristics? He didn't tell you what wisdom was. There's other places in the Bible that we get those things. You know how I know what the gift of service is? I watch Bo. Where's Owen? I watch Owen. Ask them what their gift is. They'll tell you. I know what wisdom looks like because of Brother Ricky. And See, I see it in the body of Christ. I see teaching in Carol. I see service in my staff administration, skills. There's some of you, man, I'm telling you, I was with somebody the other day and his baby was crying. Grandpa had him. I was watching the mom. Mom was like, give me the baby. Just put him up in that, cradled him up. Five seconds. Man, y'all stink at that. Mama can do it, though, man. Mama can do it. God ergonomically made them different. There, I don't believe there's two gifts. Listen, I don't believe there's two spiritual gifts in the whole world and the whole body of Christ that are the same. Because none of you are the same. You're all different. I mean, you're just beautiful in the way God has created you. So God will not give a gift and not empower it. Listen to this. Romans 12, 3. I told you I was going to back it up. For by the grace given me, grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourself with, solar, uh, with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. I think God's given you a measure of so many different things. Pastor Jerry says this, you are perfectly gifted, you are sovereignly gifted, and you are uniquely gifted. People tell me, well, you know, I have a private gift I use at home in my closet. No, you don't. It's a fake gift. John MacArthur goes so far as to say it's a perverted gift. We'll have a private prayer language. Well, I'm glad you do, but it ain't doing anything for the body because you're by yourself, and it's not a spiritual gift. Prayer was not given as a private gift. Nowhere in Scripture you're going to find that. Not going to happen. I'm landing the plane. Y'all all right? Each one of you is gifted specially. Each person is given the ability, look, to manifest the Trinity. And that's what it's all about. My job is to glorify God, to manifest the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray at home in your closet, but, and I may benefit from your prayer. But it's not a private gift. Your command. See, listen. How many of you heard this? Singing's not a spiritual gift. I'm still studying that. I have a hard time with it. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with it. Did you, did you get blessed a while ago? Now, the, the singing may not have been a spiritual gift, but the ladies' spiritual gifts came through their singing. I can say that. I can say that truthfully. Amen. Sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Command to sing. It's command to give. There's an argument in theology about evangelism. Was evangelism a gift or is it a command? I think it's both. How many of y'all know evangelists? Do you believe missions is a gift? Missionaries is a gift? And no doubt in my mind. Our missionaries are very special people. Dr. Gray Allison, my professor that I have more respect for any human being on this planet, if he got on a plane with you going from here to California, when you got to California, you'd know Jesus. Same guy I talked to yesterday, he talked to today, the joker gets saved. Is that the gift of evangelism? I don't care. Guy got saved. Y'all all right? <laughs> There's one thing I do know this, and those of you watching by way of internet, you listen very carefully to me. If you want to know, the Bible says that the Lord put a deposit guaranteeing what is to come in your heart when you come to know Jesus. The one thing that you'll know point blank is when you get saved, the Holy Spirit will come into your heart. He will cleanse you and forgive you, and then you will begin to understand that God has given you gifts to minister in the body. What's the first thing that people want to do when they get saved? They want to serve. They want, they want to serve. They want to be a part of the body. They want, they want to minister. They want to give. See, everybody thought, well, Brother Jerry has mercy. That's his gift. I was so happy that I wasn't going to hell. I gave mercy to anything, everything, and everybody. It wasn't my spiritual gift. It was just the results of the Holy Spirit being in me. Amen? All right, I'm going to ask you to just give your heart to Jesus today. And then God will, he will prove to you by giving you the Holy Spirit in your heart and giving you spiritual gifts to serve in the body. And we're going to go along through here and we're going to just learn everything about the gifts. We're going to break them down and go through them. But that's the foundation.
That's the explanation. That's the direction we're going in. Your first step is to say, Dear Jesus, Lord, I give you my heart, my soul, my life, and I ask you to save me and fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be your child. If you'll do that, he'll save you this moment if you're serious. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet.